Podcast. This is episode number 20, and we are very thankful that you have joined us today. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, I am, we are doing this episode today from our home studio here in New Jersey, and I have with me a new friend that I just met. He has stopped by the our place here and has joined me in the studio, and his na- name is Mario Freitas. Is that correct, Mario? That's perfect, sir. <laughs> good. Very good. It's good to have you here with us today. Um, I got to know Mario through our, friend, our son, Scott, and we're just so glad, Mario, that you've joined us here today. Could you just introduce yourself and share a little bit about your family as we begin? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's an honor. I want to greet uh, every listener of this podcast. It's such a blessing also to to be here, to meet you. And uh, we have been living in South Jersey for the last three months about. So we just arrived. Uh, we are Brazilian, uh, full Brazilian family. So I am... Uh, the the English speaker of the house so far. My wife is working hard on it, and she, I, I know she's gonna make it pretty soon. Uh, we have three kids: mm-hmm. uh, nine year old, five year old, and two year old. And we uh, are full time missionaries, so that's that's what we do. Very good. Well, we um, we're very glad to have you in the neighborhood Cedar Lane Missionary Homes, where you are living is right around the corner from here, and a tremendous ministry, and Jim Callahan and the folks there are just awesome. That's right. So I'm, I'm sure they're taking very, very good care of you. Oh yeah, they're amazing people. Yeah, they are. Well, good. Well, tell us a little bit about your ministry as we get started here. This is we're probably not going to follow uh, the typical... Um, discussion just to share, get to know you and your ministry today, but could you just share a little bit about the ministry that you're involved in? Okay, uh, well, I have been in ministry for uh, about 18 years, mm-hmm. and I was a church pastor for a while. I was a missionary in China for four years, and missions has always been uh, the big deal for me and for my wife. I actually met my wife at a mission organization, you know, mm-hmm. so we both have, uh, when we were single, this uh, history with missions. So uh, we knew that sometime we would work in missions again full time, and that happened six years ago uh, with the earthquake that happened in Haiti, January 2010. I was a pastor, I went there with. Uh, the support of my church in Brazil and some other pastors just to bring some help and some hope to the people, to to pastors and churches. Our vision was to support the church that was suffering at that time. But the thing grew pretty big, like lots of people from Brazil got involved and started donating. And uh, when we saw uh, we had this organization called More International, which is uh, which has been my my ministry on the last six years. So we went for that uh, full time, 
uh, Haiti was the first missionary base we started and now we are in uh, 11 different places. We have two bases in Brazil and nine bases in different parts of the world. We are in the Middle East, we are in Central Asia, Africa. We help the suffering church, which for us is the church uh, in three different arenas, uh, which are uh, natural disasters, religious persecution, and war. Mm -hmm. So uh, Christians who face those kinds of uh, situations, uh, we want to help them, encourage them, and especially through community development work. We do a lot of microfinancing on those fields where we are, you know, a lot of different types of training. And uh, yeah, this, is, this has been my life uh, on the last six years. Mm. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, you know, um, this, uh, the podcast that, that we're on here today is, is all about offering hope and the hope of the gospel. I'm wondering if we could maybe explore each of those three areas that you mentioned a little bit more. And, uh, and what are some ways that you all, through your organization, offer people hope in regarding natural disasters and persecution and war? Could you, give, could you share some stories or share some examples of how, how you all seek to do that? And yes. I know before we... Before we began recording here, we were talking some about the persecuted church and about how you viewing uh, Christians in those arenas have given, have strengthened your hope. But I'm sure there are times that it's flipped and you are the one who, or you're the ones that are going in and offering hope as well. Yes, yes. So, yeah, uh, well, we, we have seen, uh, I mean, I have met some of the best Christians, I don't know if there is a ranking for Christianity quality or something, but the best followers of Jesus I met uh, were definitely part of the suffering church. Very solid people who, uh, we're talking about pastors who weren't educated many times, who didn't have access to formal training good seminaries, none of that, but they depend on the Lord for every single thing. And uh, we've seen a lot of things. Uh, suffering in, in those arenas uh, is very moving. You know, when you, when you go right after an earthquake, I was uh, in Haiti uh, two weeks after the earthquake, I was in Japan six days after the tsunami in 2011. I was in Nepal four days after the earthquake last year. Uh, it is hard to bring hope in those kind of circumstances, but we are always surprised that we go there to help people and we are encouraged back uh, by the church, by the local church, like they are standing firm on the Lord. Uh, first time I went to Haiti, I, the, when I first arrived, they were worshiping, you know, and that was probably the most intense uh, worship service I've ever been to, you know, and they, uh, in my perspective, they didn't have much to thank God for, you know, they lost uh, their folks, they lost their houses, 
uh, and I was crying on the side, asking myself, well, what are they praising God for? Because uh, where I am from, you praise God for things. You praise God because you got promoted. You praise God because uh, you, you, you made it to buy a house, you know. And they praise God for who he is. And I learned that with the suffering church. You know, this, this has been a blessing. Uh, it's very, uh, we have very strong stories involving the suffering church. And it's amazing to see how God, uh, through suffering, always rewards with uh, amazing uh, blessings. Like I I was in shock when I met this family in uh, in a very dangerous country in Central Asia, uh, dangerous for Christians, persecution very intense, a former Soviet nation and now a, a Muslim nation, you know. So I was there and I met this family whose uh, 16-year-old boy was in jail just with adults, just a regular prison. And he was in jail for preaching the gospel to another kid uh, at school. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually uh, took him to jail, and they, the story the parents told me was that they were torturing him every day uh, with uh, needles under his fingernails, you know, just like the the worst pain I can think of. So that's that's the suffering. And then we should get discouraged by that story. But uh, the amazing part is, after eleven months doing that, uh, his uh, the, the the people from from prison, his accusers. They, they decided to let him go because 138 people got saved in jail because of his witness. He, he was just solid. He knew where he was. He stood firm. And even through the pain he went through, his testimony was so strong that it was better for them to let him go than to have him, you know... Uh, see more people getting saved in jail, you know. So these kind of stories, uh, in the Middle East right now, at this moment, with the Islamic State, uh, we uh, in our organization, we, we have been saying among ourselves that uh, it's, it can sound weird, but the Islamic State is a very powerful missionary that we have because they are scaring the Muslims themselves in many nations, like Iran, and uh, we never saw so many people in Iran going after Jesus Christ. Uh, they are just uh, disappointed at their own faith because of what the radicals are doing. You know, mm -hmm. so we see hope. We see growth of the church uh, despite the suffering that they go through. You know, and uh, that's always a lesson for me because. Uh, in our culture, we will complain for very small things, and and they they just stand firm until hope comes. You know. So. Yeah, for us, a big issue is when the cable doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same in Brazil. The same. Mm. Yeah, I um I had the privilege of a number of years ago to visit a Cape Town, South Africa, and 
a place of great beauty and and but yet great poverty and and I we actually have a listener in Cape Town. I think it may be my friend down there, but to go from these great places of beauty to these squatter camps of millions of people. Mm-hmm. And um and I, I went there, the church service there was absolutely amazing because they don't have much. Yeah. But they have they have Jesus and Yes. And yes. It's just amazing. Uh, I was in Burundi a few years ago where where we do have a a community development project to help the, the suffering church that went through war, the war uh, between Tutsis and Hutus for, mm-hmm. for so long. And now the church is go the the country is going through a very uh, critical moment as well. But I was there, uh, and we decided to do microfinancing that to help uh, Christian families. And I was talking to these to this pastor, a very strong leader, very influ- influential leader there, and. I said we can we can help. We've been doing that in Haiti. We've been doing that in other countries. We can bring uh, microfinance and teach people how to start their own businesses, and that's actually very uh, very freeing. You know, we're not just giving food away. We just, we we're teaching them how not to depend on foreign money. So, and I talked about all that to him, and he. He replied back. He was emotional. He was thankful, and but that was very challenging for me to hear. He said, uh, "Pastor Mario, I I believe God sent you here because we really need that. Uh, Burundi is always ranked as one of the five poorest nations in the world, and I don't like that. We don't like that. I want my fam, my family, and my." church and my people to have dignity. However, when you bring dignity here, don't bring too much dignity. And I didn't understand what he was saying. Uh, His statement was kind of funny, you know. Don't bring uh, dignity beyond uh, what we need. And I I said, how so? How, How... what, what is the thermometer for <laughs> for mm-hmm. dignity uh, until which point can we go, you know? And his answer w- was, you went to my church, you saw how passionate the people are about God, even not having what you eat. So I don't want this country to become a rich nation and the church in my country becomes just like the church in your country is there. He said that to me, and I didn't get offended. I totally got the point, you know. Like, uh, sometimes suffering uh, is, brings more hope in terms of getting close to God and depending on God than success. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm reading a great book now, right now, called Grace Walk by uh, Steve McVeigh. And in that book, he says, you know, if you if you want God to use you, and I'm paraphrasing what he says, then you can expect trouble to come into your life. Hmm. Because it is the trouble or the suffering that brings us to rely on God and not those those other things. Yeah, great point. Very good point. Yeah. 
So what are the what are some of the things that you you think um, as you I assume this is not your first time here to the U.S. I assume you have been here before. Yes, I, I have been uh, here quite a few times before. Yeah, in and out, yeah. uh, never for a long period, but mm -hmm. sometimes. As you are, as you're observing the uh, the American Church, and I, I know you're going to right now. I believe you're attending Mercy Hill. Yes, which is where our son and his family go. Um, awesome church. We were there this Sunday. They became particularized here recently. Yes. And our son was one of the uh, new elders that was appointed there. Uh, not looking there because I know they have it all together. But as you look at, <laughs> as it's some of the um, American Christianity right now. What are some of the things as you compare what you're seeing in the suffering church around the world with what's here? What are some of the, what are some of the lessons you think? we can, we need to, to learn, we need to, um, for God to, to bring into our lives, and what are some of the things that you see the American church needs today, compared to the suffering church? Although I feel that we may be sliding closer to becoming yes. part of the suffering yes. church. Yes, the, the American church is already facing persecution somehow, I'd mm -hmm. say, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, there are <clears throat> levels of persecution, but uh, we we can no longer say the same things with the the same freedom, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't feel uh, comfortable uh, not trying to be politically correct or anything, but don't feel comfortable to address only to the American church. I really, uh, uh, what happens here uh, takes uh, a couple years to happen the same way in Brazil, but mm. it's always the same. Brazil will, will always follow the, the same kind of mentality, you know, and we see that in Latin American nations. Actually, I see some... Uh, some dangers in Latin America, even stronger than here in terms of theology, prosperity, gospel, you know. So uh, we all need need to reconsider things. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't address specifically to the American church uh, very, very humbly. Uh, but uh, when we talk about the suffering church in Brazil, we try not to focus... As, as I just said, on, on the bad things. We try to focus on what God is doing despite the best, the bad things. Like, there was a torture of the kid, but many people got saved. Uh, we all see what the Islamic State is doing, but many people are getting saved. So, we want to see hope, right? And uh, I, I believe uh, you never get to to move people through uh, making them feel uncomfortable. Oh, you're doing this wrong. That's that's why I wouldn't address a church. Like, okay, we, 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 we're mistaking, we're sliding. I would, I would just say, let's learn from these people. Let's mm -hmm. learn. They, they, they have a lot to teach. Let's, let's just understand there is a world out there that every Sunday, as we talked before, when we go to church here, there's someone going to church there, but has to 
hide their Bible and hide the uh, even the place has to be you know hidden. Uh, but I would say we totally need more information here, uh, and even in Brazil, we we don't have uh, a clue of, for example, how many Christians there are in in some of the places we only hear bad things about, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, it, it was very hard for us to to be able to help the Palestinian church during the war because most Christians in Brazil wouldn't understand that could be Palestinian Christians. Mm -hmm. And there are many, and they are doing... Uh, they are just enduring, and they love the Lord. You know, they are firm believers. And uh, so we, I, I would say, let's, let's learn from these people. You know, let's uh, not focus only on uh, growth. And I, I see a lot of missions being done by the Western church. Uh, the church planting became a big deal again, you know, in the last... Uh, 10 or 15 years I'd say so let's plant churches that are focused on the the, the church uh, the world church I, I believe we we shouldn't even use the terms we use like suffering church and, and stable church or persecuted church and free church there is one church in the world there is only one church the church of Christ so I wouldn't feel I have a pastor who has been my pastor for more than 20 years. He led me to Christ. If I heard that something bad happened to him or his wife, that he would went to jail or that he was killed because of the gospel, I would feel terrible. I have to have the same feeling when I hear that some like that happened in Indonesia. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's my pastor too. Like the, the pastor in Saudi Arabia who was killed or the, the Egyptian pastor who is in jail, those are my people. Those are the people of God. So that's the mentality I, I believe the American church and the Western church uh, need to to work a little better, you know, and to understand a little better. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's a great perspective to have, to not focus on the, not focus on the negative things, focus on what God God is doing. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Have you ever had a time where you lost hope? Um, it's hard to think of one time. <laughs> <laughs> this week? This yeah, week? <laughs> well, especially because uh, my, my, my ministry is based on bad stories, you know. Like sure. I, I, I hear bad stories and I get very emotionally involved with, with them mm -hmm. but in a personal perspective I, I would like to, to share something here too uh, hope has a, a lot to do with priorities and decisions we, we make mm -hmm. it's not only something that is out there but something that uh, I think we need to decide for hope sometimes you know and um, on the last six years, the organization that I was one of the founders, actually, and I've been 110% involved, you know, uh, we grew a lot. God blessed us a lot. We have, like, 
uh, bases in different parts of the world, but that took a lot of work. And I, I had to do a lot of, to, to make a lot of sacrifices myself. No, I was not the only one, but uh, for example, I was traveling all over Brazil and sometimes to the United States, sometimes to Europe to raise support and raise partnerships towards the cause of the suffering church. Besides having to go to the fields we have, to the bases, uh, to oversee the work. So uh, there were years that I was traveling like between 200 to 150 days a year, you know. And in 2013, I had a, a, an experience that for a while made me lose hope and made me... Uh, even stumble a little bit in terms of my faith, and I'm, I'm being very honest here. Uh, I was doing so well in ministry. I was, you know, traveling all over the place, and things were moving well, but uh, I wasn't doing too well with my family. That was 2013, and my wife was a very strong woman. She is, uh, but I have small kids, you know, and I was never home. When I was home, I would give them the leftovers. Like, I would stay less than 48 hours and go out to another trip. And in September 2013, God used a, a prophet to talk to my heart, and that was actually my my daughter. <laughs> uh, forgive me if I, if I get a little emotional here, but... She she's nine now, so she was uh, seven or, or six or seven years old, uh, and she she came to me uh, one day. I I came from one trip, and I was going to Haiti the next day, you know. And she asked me, "Dad, are you traveling again?" I said, "Yeah, I'm traveling. I'm going to Haiti, and I know you." You pray for the Haitian kids, and you always give me uh, some of your toys to bring over to Haiti. So, uh, yeah, I'm going. If you want me to bring something, I will. And she said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a toy. But, Dad, let me ask you a question. Uh, if I was Haitian, would you stay more at home? Mm. And that was like a, a bomb, you know. <laughs> that was... Oh. She shot me right in the chest. And uh, that was a very bad moment for me. That's when uh, I stepped into... Uh, I, if, I, if I didn't get into depression, I was very close to that. I was traveling all over the place and would have these collapses, emotional crises in hotels all by myself and cry a lot. And... I didn't do too well. So at that point, I had to make a decision towards hope, you know. And I, my hope, what is my hope? That my my family, my kids love missions as much as I do, and they don't think they lost their father for ministry, you know. That's what I hope. That's why uh, I hope that they, they love Jesus, you know. I hope that they love the Church of Christ. And... Uh, so I made a decision for the family at that point. I couldn't just quit and step out of the organization and 
uh, and I didn't, but I, I'm still connected and working. But we made a plan to uh, prepare things in Brazil in a way that we could leave after a while and have a specific time for the family. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing right now. That's why we're here. Uh, we took this year, I wouldn't say we took a total sabbatical because we, we're still working for the organization and I oversee the international bases and I, I talk to uh, our leaders pretty much every day, but uh, I'm not traveling. I'm, I'm, I'm home, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm staying and I'm rediscovering my family, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm bringing them closer to the calling that God gave to me. And so hope sometimes depends on a decision. Mm -hmm. And I very openly uh, share this conviction and uh, I have been saying this, like if I am to share anything here in the United States is that uh, my mistake was to go too deep into uh, helping everybody else's family but not helping my own, and that's not balanced Christianity. Mm -hmm. right? We we should do these without neglecting the others, you know. Sure. So, uh, but some people could decide for hope and uh, make more straight priorities uh, from now on. So that would be my, my word. Yeah. I appreciate you and sharing that and your transparency. And um, I think your decision uh, also gave your, your daughter and your kids hope too. Because, because they needed it as well. We see so many leaders today who assume that if they give themselves completely, then God will take care of the, the other things. But we, we forget that we can't. We can't neglect our primary responsibilities in, in our ministry to home. So I'm very thankful you learned that lesson from a very wise prophet. Yes, <laughs> yes, before, <he> is. <laughs> before, um, before other, you know, worse things happen. So that's right. That's right. Very, we, very thankful for that. We thank God as a family for that as well, for God's mercy towards our ministry for the timing, you know, and for being able to realize that on, on time. And um, uh, as a missionary, maybe people will expect us to challenge the church to do more. You know, oh, we're mm -hmm. not doing enough. Do more. Give more money. Give more time. Uh, don't think only about your things and your family and your mortgage, but do more, you know, uh, that's no longer my speech. My speech, my, yeah, what, what I believe now would be uh, give Jesus a balanced life. That is hope. You know, mm -hmm. there are some people whose, uh, the, whose mistake is just doing so much in ministry, which was my case, and not taking care of their own character, or their own their own marriage, their own family, their own financial health, you know, and a basic thing. So uh, sometimes uh, we to balance up. You, you need to do more because you're doing nothing. But sometimes mm -hmm. you you need to step down and uh, just 
So that decision uh, will bring you hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. How could people um, learn more about your ministry? How, how can they learn more about more? Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, so... Yeah, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the organization is called More International, mm -hmm. uh, and the website is moreinternational.org. So, um, uh, online, people get news, get information. Uh, in Brazil, we have a very uh, interesting project going on right now. There are persecuted Christians who are going to Brazil as refugees. So, actually, Brazil... Uh, don't ask me why, but uh, the borders of Brazil are quite open for especially people from the Middle East, and we've been receiving people of all kinds, which, you know, uh, of course, we, we also question as Brazilian citizens. But as an organization, we are using that window to support some uh, Christian families that are coming in. So our, our base in Jordan hosts about 250 Christian refugees per week. Mm -hmm. And in the, the most intense cases when they say, okay, this family cannot stay here, it's too dangerous for them, so they will go to Brazil. And in Brazil, we are, uh, we are just blessed with this uh, new area that we have, 66 acres of land, and we are building what we call the City of Refuge, where these Christian refugees can arrive and they stay with us for uh, a, a short period, three to six months. The family stays, we're building houses for them. And from there, they, they go to churches, they get some Portuguese teaching at the place, they get the paperwork done for them to stay in Brazil, uh, some cultural lessons and all that. But from the place, they go to churches that host them for good. Giving the giving a job to the head of the family, school for kids, and all that. So we already hosted more than two hundred, especially Syrian Christians, uh, but some from Pakistan, Congo, Comoros Island. You know, so from different places where they suffer uh, religious persecution. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they can learn about, more about those things yeah, on the website. Yeah, moreinternational.org. Okay, very good. Well, what we will do is we will uh, put that information on our show notes so that as people download the podcast, they can also learn more about you all. And I assume if they want to get in touch with you, your email address and that sort of thing is on there as well. Okay. 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 I appreciate Thank you. Very good. And, uh, and how long will you all be at Cedar Lane? Uh, our, our plan is to stay uh, for a year. And okay. We... we Honestly, I try not to be too anxious about uh, the next step. You know, mm -hmm. we we know that our calling is to help the suffering church. Mm -hmm. We don't want to do exactly what we we're doing before, like the same. Uh, I don't want this to be a, a break and then go back to the same lifestyle and jeopardize the family the same way. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, we are praying for, for for the next step or would be the the, the option. You know. Uh, but yeah, we, we ask for prayer that way that God will bring us clarity. We're not uh, too anxious about it. We we're just liking the family time and mm -hmm. enjoying it, and at the same time, 
doing the work we, we must do. So, uh, but we appreciate the prayers. Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, if um, are you open to going and speaking at different churches about uh, your ministry and that sort of thing? Or do you do that from time to time? Yes, we, we've been doing that. Uh, very careful now with uh, not being out of the house sure, too much. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, I, I've been doing that uh, uh, pretty much every weekend, but uh, mostly uh, in places where I can take the family with you, sure. the East Coast. So it's been uh, actually a, a good time as a family. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've been traveling to other places as mm-hmm. well. So Okay. So if... Um Say some listeners, they uh, would like to get in touch with you about that. I guess the best thing to do is contact Cedar Lane, and and they would tell them how to get in touch with you. Right, or or just uh, through the the notes of the the mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Uh, my email will be available. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, it's very good to have you on the podcast today, and I appreciate once again your transparency. Um, and pray that God will continue to bless you and your dear wife and your family and those special children that God has given you and also your ministry. Amen. So, uh, and we hope that as others download this, that they'll be directed to your website and can learn more and, and find ways to support you all. Amen. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the prayers and for the opportunity. Oh, good. Well, as we, um, as we close the podcast today, as we often do, we, we want to encourage you, uh, as you're listening, to get in touch with Mario and his ministry, More International. Uh, you'll find their contact information on the show notes. And thank you for downloading episode number 20. And we look forward to your visiting with us once again. So thank you very much. Have a great day. Amen. Have a good day. Okay. Hey, thank you, brother.